frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Miha, you're an angel. You're a saint. You're Mother Teresa. You're Elvis. You're God. And if you'd shown up ten minutes earlier, we'd still have Jackie Boy's head. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio. This is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Brandon. I'm Lewis. And we're here to talk about movies. Each week, Lewis and I alternate picking a film for both of us to watch and discuss. This month, it's all about noir films. And since it's episode 50, I decided to pick an old favorite film of mine, Sin City from 2005. This film was brought to life by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, it is directed by Rodriguez and Frank Miller. There's a special guest director, Quentin Tarantino, for a scene. It stars Bruce Willis, Mickey Rourke, Benicio Del Toro, Jessica Alba, Rosario Dawson, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen, and many others. Um, this movie uh, was a favorite of mine when I was like, 17 to like 20 probably I told everyone this was my favorite film uh, and it inspired me a lot and Rodriguez is one of my first like director obsessions he's one of the cinema gods for me as we talk about here on Film Church Radio um, so I decided like I said because it's episode 50 and it's noir that I would pick a film that means a lot to me and my history as a filmmaker. So I know Lewis has already seen this film. I'm excited to dive into it and really break it down and talk about everything Rodriguez here in a moment. <laughs> We're going to get into it. Just wait. Um, first of all, episode 50. Can it's you crazy. believe it? I can't. I was, I was going to say... Um... A little bit later, but I guess I'll say it now that um, a few days ago you said that you'd listened back to like one of the early episodes, and I, yeah. I went and did the same, um, and I can't believe that, you know, where we are now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I listened to to episode three, which was um, ever since episode three, we've been doing one a week. Yeah, we did. We did episode one like about six months before that. And then a few months later we did episode two and it just took us a bit to kind of get the show going and make it a regular thing. And then once we got to episode three on, it's been yeah, awesome, you know, yeah, once a week. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was cool to go back and listen to our conversation because we're both at like this turning point. Yeah. And, you know, I was at a, had just finished a big milestone of film school and stuff. And it was, and it was very encouraging to go back and listen to that and be like, man, so much has happened. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very um, bizarre to to hear myself put into words what I was feeling a year ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> and because you just get so sidetracked, you know, it's just it just becomes another number. It's just like, oh, it's episode fifty, you know. Um, but when you kind of put it into the context of everything, it, it's it's really nice to have that forever to be able to kind yeah. of go back in. You know, and just 
remember kind of where we were at that point. You know, yeah. I can still remember when we recorded the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I say I can still remember like it was, you know, a hundred years ago when it was only a year ago, but still yeah. it was... Uh, but still for only being a year ago, it's weird to go back and listen to it and be like, you know, to yeah, be we, in a completely different headspace now. Yeah, we literally had no form. We were just like, guess we've started recording. Here we go. Yeah. You know, here's a free form <laughs> conversation. Um and it's it is nice to know that we've kind of developed into more of a structured thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be like you said, it's gonna be nice to like keep having this podcast to be able to go back and listen yeah. to where we were at in our lives. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the point where there's been enough distance between me and a film that when I go back and watch it, I'm like, I wonder what I thought when I first watched this film. Yeah. So I can go back and listen to like the Badlands episode, for example, or you know the the Wonder Darkly the episode the those kind of films where mm-hmm. um, will it work as well on the second watch? You know, so when I go back, it's going to be fun to be able to go back and listen to those. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of which, listener, you should go and listen to all these episodes that we're talking about. Um, we are everywhere on the internet at Film Church Radio, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, YouTube, we've got some extra content. We've got, uh, we've been doing for the last three months, we've been having a guest on the first Sunday every month, and we do a video podcast for that, which you can see on our YouTube channel, see our faces, see what we look like and not just sound like. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, and, and speaking of which, on the last episode, uh, Thief, Mitch had some um, comments about the the movie that he was thinking about after we recorded the show. So he commented on the YouTube video. So go check that out. If you want to jump in and be a part of the conversation, leave us some comments and we'll reply to you and get into a deeper discussion on these films. Same with this, this film uh, that we're talking about here today. Um, And there's a few extra reviews that, you know, aside from just our Sunday episodes, we've got like an MCU review and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi discussion on there um so go check that out and thanks for being here yeah it's time for our little pre-discussion kind of like trailers (laughs) before the feature (laughs) um lewis you have a ton of movies (laughs) i'm not (laughs) going to talk about all of these movies Um, okay yeah so it with us having a guest last week, this is kind of like two weeks worth of films together. Um, so Halloween has passed. So the horror movies I watched are going to be put to the side apart from one because we both watched it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we got to the end of Halloween and it was it was the classics. It was uh, Halloween and other kind of big hitters. Um, and then because we're in um, Noir-Vember, um, I watched They Live by Night from 1948, directed by Nicholas Ray. Um, kind of his his first feature film. Um, and Nicholas Ray is a director that's always kind of interested me. I watched Johnny Guitar earlier um, this year, yeah. and it was the same director. Um, and this is, I know that you love first films, like first features. Um, this is a very interesting one to, to watch because it's kind of, it's such a classic style to it with it being a noir like the camera and everything's really great but there's also that those flourishes in there 
that you can tell he's kind of like pushing the boundaries. Um, like there's a shot from a helicopter, which you don't see that often in kind of, you know, B noir films. Um, and it was really interesting. I, um, it's been one that I've been wanting to watch for a while, so I'm glad I finally managed to crack into it. Yeah. Um, and then I watched a few newer releases. So we watched The Good Nurse um, that was on Netflix with Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Eddie Redmayne as an actor. Um, and I'm not really sure why. I just, I don't, I, I, I really don't like his portrayal of certain people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing against him. You know, I've seen interviews with him. I'm sure he's a really lovely guy and all that kind of stuff. I'm just not a massive fan of him, which is fine. Um, so we went into this a bit kind of, trepidatiously i guess um and it was fine you know it's it's a fine it's an all right story but i kind of talked to you a little bit about it all these netflix films that they're just churning out at the moment and kind of all the distribution they just feel so hollow there's there doesn't seem to be anybody else in there apart from the lead actors there's no um wide shots yeah there's no like extras it's just like every every room feels minimal and cold, yeah. you know, and that's probably you know maybe what they were going for, you know, a lot of it because they they work on the ward at night. A lot of it's very very dark, um, and you know it was it was a fine thriller. It was probably about forty minutes too long, you know. I think it could have probably been cut down a little bit. Um, it's it's a shame that these these films for Netflix are getting these big names and just, you can tell it's just to get the, the the story doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, there's no, um, there's no, no, like deep meaning or thought or yeah, exactly. It's kind of like just a job for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, you know, very early on, like what is happening. So the tension just kind of goes and they try and build it up at certain points, but it doesn't really work. Um, a yeah. film that did work for me, though, was See How They Run um, from this last year. It got a theatrical release and then recently on HBO Max. Um, it's kind of, I feel like we're going for a really, really great um, time of like these murder mystery, kind of Agatha Christie style murder mystery films. Um, we had, you know, the uh, Knives Out. We've got the the um, the Poirot films with... Uh, Oh, I forgot his name, Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've got this, that's just, which is based around uh, Agatha Christie stage play um, with Sam Rockwell. And, um, nice. Yeah, amongst a, a great cast. And it's just it's just a really fun hour and a half. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it, it keeps you guessing. Um, there's some really funny bits, some um, bits that are a bit, you know, spooky, I guess. Um, but yeah, we had a really good time with it. Um it's not, you know, going to set the world alight. It's not a, a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a good popcorn film, and sometimes that's exactly what you want. Yeah. Um, it sounds and, like a good movie. I'm and like I'm looking at the poster and stuff too, and it just makes me like sad that this is just on streaming, like not to see how they run. Yeah, it did get a theatrical release. Oh, it did. So yeah, it did earlier um over the summer. Um I must have just missed it. 
They, I guess they don't really spend any money on marketing either, though. It's like no, I know. Not yeah, paying like close attention. Yeah, um, but I think it. Hopefully, I mean, I don't know how much it did, but I think it did okay business. It seems to be kind of front and center on HBO at the moment. Um, but yeah, if you if you get a chance, I would recommend it. it it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then I've I've started a really ridiculous task. So I on Letterboxd, there's always lists. There's always people that put these lists out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I sent you the the one for Tarantino's new book the other day where someone had made a list of every single film he mentions, which is, I can't remember the exact number, but it was it was very high. Um, and someone had made a list for the 1,001 films you, you've got to see before you die. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go through this chronologically and start ticking off, you know, some of the ones that I haven't seen. Yeah, um, and I was very surprised, but I've never seen the Great Train Robbery, which is 1903. Um, I think it's credited with being the first kind of narrative film, um, okay, t- to break through. Yeah, and it it was just on you. Like I watched it on YouTube because it's public domain now. It was like yeah. 16 minutes, um, and I didn't rate it because I feel like films like this are so hard to rate. Because on the one side, it's like the, the history behind it and kind of what it might set up in film is just you know unparalleled you know you can't yeah. put it into words but on the you other can't hand be like i wasn't entertained by that yeah exactly <laughs> but on the other hand it's like the the camera is very static it doesn't move you know yeah. there's the, there's scenes that take place just from one angle um there's someone that- gets fr- thrown off a train and you can tell it's like like a, a made out of pillows <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know so there's these little things there but i'm like I'm probably watching it in the definition, you know, four times what they would have ever expected it to be shown in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't rate it. I don't think you can, but um, yeah, I want to tick off all these big misses. Yeah. Is it is that the one that has the cowboy that like points the, the gun right yeah. at the camera and at the shoots end, yeah, it? Shoots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And people like screamed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in theaters. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. But, uh, yeah, and I mean the good thing about like most silent films is they're they're free on YouTube, yeah, because um, they're in public domain. So, gonna try and knock some of these off. And then I already kind of hit a stumbling block because the next one is, um, Birth of a Nation, which I haven't watched for, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I've never so, watched it all the way through. I just yeah, I know that you know, again, it's very significant for the history of cinema. But I'm also like, we live in America now where these things still haven't changed. So I don't really yeah. want to watch a film from the side of the clan. For anybody that thinks that like racism doesn't exist, uh, go watch Birth of a Nation. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, an interesting fact about that film is that it was the first film to ever be shown in the White House. So, mm-hmm. yeah. America. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Yeah. Cinema history. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Trying to, not, I know that was ending on a bit of a <laughs> bum note. Um, the other film that I watched that I teased earlier, the horror film that I know you've watched, so we can segue into yours yeah. as well, is Barbarian. Yes. I did um, watch that. Spoilers so, ahead. Yes. There's, um, it's hard to talk about this film without spoilers. Yeah. Because if you've seen the trailer, it, it doesn't include much past the 20-minute mark. 
Yeah. It, it subverts so, your expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, another film that kind of went up on streaming pretty close to Halloween. So I heard a lot of hype. So we both sat down to watch it. And, uh, and I it don't looks think like I've... you loved it. Did I rate it this high? I'm like looking here at my rating. I'm like, surely I did not rate it this high. <laughs> this that might be high. a typo. Yeah. I don't think I rated it five out of five. But yeah, that's that's kind of what I was like. <laughs> let me just double check my my diary here in my uh, my letterbox. Not um, to say that it's not. I mean, worthy. Oh, of being okay, I stuff. I rated it four and a half. Mm. apparently um and i think that's because i i did get into it like it's not um it's it's not you know like any kind of auteur work or any kind of no. like you know prestigious film or anything but i but it did its job as far yeah. as like subverting my expectation it it did its job as like a a thrilling horror movie yeah you know i really got into it i was screaming at the tv you know i was like don't go down there <laughs> like what are you doing dear god what is this <laughs> like um and and it probably could have been a 5 if if uh the ending had been a little bit mm, less like it just seemed like they almost gave up at the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There and they were like, "Oh well, you know, at this point we can just make it ridiculous." And it was like, yeah. "Well, it was pretty grounded the rest of the time." Yeah. Until like the the very end. Yeah. Um, and I wish that they could have just figured out a more clever way to do it instead of being like, "Ah, uh, yeah, what well, you know, the audience is having a good time, so they'll follow us to this point." Yeah. I don't necessarily like that yeah i know what you mean i mean i feel like especially with horror films like this it's always hard to end it that isn't either you know self-serving and setting itself up for a sequel or just like okay yeah you know um yeah the final uh, what 20 minutes 50 minutes of it is very i don't know yeah it did lose me a little bit yeah um but um yeah Justin Long's good. Yeah, Justin Long is good. Um I mean everybody and it's good. Uh <coughs> Skarsgård is it Bill Skarsgård? Yeah. Mhm. Mm you know, you kind of think he's going to be um the bad guy just cuz yeah. he's, you know, he plays it and Yeah. <laughs> you kind of just expect it almost. Mm -hmm. But um yeah. So, I mean it, it's I get the hype, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, it it got me. Yeah. I don't know that I ever need to watch it again, but you know, it was good. Yeah, I felt the same way. I feel like a lot of these films, you know, and I feel like because it's Halloween, you know, it gets a bit more slack. I guess people want to go and be scared, and there was bits in it that were scary. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that enough people were talking about that I think they're trying to make it like. Like the indie film of the year, yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's it's not that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good for a horror movie, but it, yeah, it's yeah. not the indie film of the year. It's yeah, not gonna exactly win any Oscars. Yeah, I don't think it's not. You know, Parasite. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely <laughs> not Parasite. Yeah, and uh, that, that's an interesting parallel to draw between the two, though. To be fair, yeah, yeah. So think about that. Yeah, uh, I might write a blog post. <laughs> yeah, is Barbarian the new Parasite? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Justin Long for Best Actor any day of the week, mm. but um, so other horror movies I watched were X, which I know you've seen. Um, and I actually rated it less than you. I think I did three out of five. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, it was good. It was, it was fine. It it yeah. wasn't like, it didn't, I think it just bothered me just like, you know, yes, it's creepy and disturbing or whatever, but I think just the whole plot of, again, spoilers ahead for X, <laughs> the A24 film. Uh, the whole plot of like old people are gross. Yeah, is just like <laughs> you know, it's like there came to a point in the movie. I guess you know, like before the old couple had sex, I was like, <laughs> I was just starting to make fun of the movie because I was just like, oh no, like please tell me that the like horrific climax of the movie isn't oh old people are having sex now, like yeah, you know. Yes, they're disgusting people as far as characters, but like just to be like, yeah, old people's bodies, ew, is just like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> especially after watching Barbarian, like we watched yeah. it like the next day, which it was kind of a, it was almost the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though like the chick in Barbarian is like, I guess like a inbred person and whatever she's still kind of this old lady thing yeah you know and it's so it's just like this theme in horror movies of being like yeah old people are gross this will scare them yeah i feel like it's the new thing i mean before it used to be like disfigurements Um, yeah anyone with a disfigurement was the was the um villain um so now it's like how can we just how can we make the audience know that they are different than you and it's like let's make them old yeah <laughs> and i don't know i mean yeah. next it's going to be like baby killers i don't know they're yeah, just going to swing the opposite direction but yeah there's always got to be that sense of like the other um, yeah yeah and you know unfortunately now it's it's older people yeah um and then another horror movie i watched was american werewolf in london from 1981 and it Ooh. was amazing First uh, yeah. time I'd ever seen it, five out of five. Like, if you have not seen this film, like, the f- effects, the story, all of it is just, yeah, five out of five. It's such a it's good brilliant. movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's one of those films that as soon as I finish watching it, I'm like, I want to go back and watch that again. Yeah. Um, there's so much to it. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's definitely one that I'm going to have to maybe watch every year. Yeah. Next Halloween. Um, also watched Don't Worry Darling, which I knew you've seen, and it was it was fine. I feel like it was better than I expected. Um, yeah. but um, I probably would have liked it more if there wasn't so much weird hype around it, and I didn't know that like anything about the drama of the making of the film or the you know. I just feel like it just had so much baggage that didn't have anything to do with the movie that like, I mean, it was a good kind of like adult kind of, kind of adult kind of family thriller. 
Yeah. You know, it's like the kind of movie that you could go watch on Thanksgiving with your parents or something, you know? Yeah. And everybody would enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and it's kind of like a Black Mirror episode. Spoilers again ahead. Um, like you were talking about when you watched it with the ending, you know, I feel like it could have been like, I get that the film is like a metaphor for like the patriarchy and, and stuff, but it, I feel like it didn't really have anything to say about it. Like anything new or anything like, Mm -hmm. um, anything really. It was just like, I, I feel like it, it could have been, more but you know maybe there's something there that i i'm not seeing i don't know and i feel that that's the um that's the crux of it now we we get in in film criticism i feel like it's evening out because we had all those people that went to see it and were like yeah this is awful here's all the stuff that's been happening and like you said there's people that are now watching it at home after hearing all that and being like yeah it's not as bad as that you know yeah like calm down so yeah. it's kind of evening out in terms of you know i think it is a a middle of the road film. It's a two and a half, three star yeah. film. You know, it's not amazing, but I think the people that are, are really slating it, really slate it. I mean, Harry Styles does not dance very well in this film. <laughs> um, that scene where he's dancing um, at the like, office party is oh, yeah. incredibly terrible. Um, <laughs> but hey, you know, there's been worse actors on screen. Yeah. Um, and then besides all of those, I did finally rewatch Heavenly Creatures from 1994, and it's it's amazing. I'm not going to give anything away, yeah, but because I really want you to see it. But um, yeah, Peter Jackson. I mean, we talked, watched, and talked about uh, Dead Alive um, slash Brain Dead at the beginning of Horror Movie Month, and it's it's interesting after watching that and then watching heavenly creatures like you can you can immediately tell that it's the same filmmaker mm-hmm. you know the the shot the shots and the style yeah. and everything um but heavenly creatures is uh it's just one of those films that just makes me feel so many different emotions like it just takes you on this like incredible yeah. human uh experience that yeah. like that it's like in my top four favorite films wow. ever. Wow, that's awesome. Um yeah, so I can't wait for you to see it. Some yeah. Point. It's on my list. Yeah. So hopefully did you watch that via streaming or was it um something that you have that you own? It was something I had. Okay, cool. Yeah. So good to know. Yeah. Um well, I will have to pick it at some point, I think, for Film Church. But that's it, Bam. folks. Uh, it is time for our feature presentation. That's right. Welcome to Sin City. This town beckons the tough, the corrupt, the brokenhearted. Some call it dark, hard-boiled. Then there are those who call it home. Crooked cops, sexy dames, desperate vigilantes. Some are seeking revenge. Others lust after redemption. And then there are those hoping for a little bit of both. 
A universe of unlikely and reluctant heroes still trying to do the right thing in a city that refuses to care. This is Sin City 2005. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Episode 50. Um, so at any point, Lewis, feel free yes. to interrupt me because I feel like I'm just going to ramble and talk and talk and you'll never well, get to say anything. <laughs> I, I, I know that this is one of your favorite filmmakers. Yeah. And like you said at the top, this is one of your favorite films. And I feel like I did the same thing when it was like Sherlock Jr. So I am very ready to to let you kind of say your piece. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I have lots to say. Um, it was interesting going back and watching this because I haven't watched it in a long time. And like I said at the beginning, you know, this was my favorite film from like age 17 to 20. Yeah. Um, my brain wasn't fully developed at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, so, and, and I haven't watched it in a long time, like I said. So I was really curious to see what I thought about it now because I feel like I'm a completely different person yeah, uh, than I was back then. And, um, and just my knowledge of film is just greater, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so you and I watched it together, actually. We sure did. A few days ago. And um, I wasn't sure about it. You know, I was like, there's there's parts of it that I like, you know, I, I like the style still and stuff. Yeah. But it it just, you know, it didn't really sink in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I rewatched it today and it did, it did sink in. Like, it was like, I do really like this movie. This is... Yeah. Um, it's such a like masculine movie. I feel like it's such a guy yeah. movie. Um, yeah, which makes sense. Like when you when you go and look at um, who Frank Miller is, you know he's 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 a guy who the guy who uh, created the comic book. Um, yeah, this this is a graphic novel, or the movie is based off the graphic novel Sin City, um, and Frank Miller is known for creating daredevil well not creating daredevil but he's known for his run like his writing on daredevil the daredevil comic mm-hmm. book uh he did Dare- daredevil born again he did the dark knight returns which is a huge inspiration for like all the batman movies um he did batman year one yeah and sin city and 300 and sin city was kind of like a personal project of his like he created, you know, it wasn't like a Marvel thing or a DC thing. It was like uh, he created it out of like, I'm going to create a comic book that's kind of just for me. Yeah. It's got fast cars. It's got babes. It's got guys in trench coats. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be black and white with like tiny little splashes of color. Um, And the the novel to look at is like the style is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's like not... It's very simplistic, but, uh, you know, it looks kind of like the movie. You know, it's yeah. just like yeah. deep blacks and just like completely whited out whites. Um, and there's, you know, there was just something about <laughs> the film that hit me when I was 17. You know, it was like I already did like black and white movies. You know, I was really into Hitchcock and older films and and stuff and this was like and i was into comic book movies you know i loved spider-man yeah. i loved the punisher 
Um, and this was like all of that, all of my favorite things, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously the film has like problematic stuff in it. Uh, yeah. the, and you know, some stuff is a little weird. Um, but just the visual style is amazing to me. Yeah. Um, and even though the, you know, some of the dialogue I think is kind of cheesy, like it felt really cheesy the other day when, when we watched it, but then once you <laughs> kind of just like give into it, I guess it just, it's not, it just didn't seem as cheesy anymore to me, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think the actors do really well, yeah. like for the dialogue that they have, they did a, an amazing job of making it believable. Um, especially Brittany Murphy. Mm -hmm. Like she, she kind of blows me away in this film. Um, and, uh, yeah. What were you going to say? Just that I think that the dialogue, um, is very clever because it is lampooning the, the noir films of the forties and fifties. Yeah. And we kind of talked about it a little bit while we're watching it. Um, just the the men that are tough as nails and the women that just need to be saved and yeah you know all that kind of stuff the the trouble with it is because even though that that language is like is good it is still a product of the early 2000s mm -hmm. and the male gaze in this film is it that's all there is yeah you know yeah. it there's when you were saying that like there was a lot that drew you to it when when you were younger, I mean, there was one thing that drew me to this film when I was younger, and that was Jessica Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> and the film does a good job at just being like, here she is, you know, here's yeah. your fantasy, yeah. um, which is like a 14, 15 year old. That was exactly what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like watching it now, it's, it's, it's always hard because, um, I don't, it, because we've come such a long way. And because we're kind of, the filmmaking has come such a long way in terms mm -hmm. of of where the camera is and kind of what we should be focused on, that when we watch films like this, it's hard to to put yourself in that mindset again. Yeah. Of being like, okay, this is from, you know, nearly 20 years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, you know, when you watch this film and you compare it to like other film noirs of the... 30s 40s 50s you know yeah. there's a lot of problematic stuff about those films you know obviously they're older and maybe you can give them more leniency or whatever i don't know but like yeah it's not 2005 anymore i mean that was also the year yeah. wasn't that the year that idiocracy came out mm -hmm. it was like mm -hmm. 2004 it's like yeah. a lot of time has passed it's been yeah. almost 20 years and if you think of 20 years before 2005 we're in the 80s mm -hmm. and ghostbusters was out you know a big huge um success that is openly racist and sexist yeah and it's kind of like okay you know it we, we can see that development and i think that again going back to even you know birth of a nation the fact that it's still being talked about is the fact that as i feel like as film lovers you know that it's significant even though the subject matter can be troubling yeah it's like literature there's books that you can read that are like Okay, that you know, I don't agree with that, but I know that this is culturally significant for many reasons, yeah. and I feel that's the same with this film. I mm -hmm. feel that there's a lot in here that changed how superhero films in this, you know, 
and how kind of stylized films went forward for the next 10 years. You know, oh, we're yeah. still seeing, yeah. you know, um, we're still seeing Sin City and film, like Marvel films and other films, you know, this very yeah. stylized, um, over the top graphic novel esque. Yeah. Yeah. Comic exactly. booky kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I mean, if, I mean, Robert, Robert Rodriguez had to kind of work to get Frank Miller to say yes to this. Cause like you think about like Frank Miller had already done so much to kind of change the direction of comic books. You know, he like he was, he was already making a huge impact and, and seeing his work adapted into films, but Sin City was like his baby, you know, yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't just going to be like, yeah, sure do it. So yeah. Robert had to like, constantly call his representatives and like really work to to get in touch with them and then finally when he got a hold of them you know he was still like ah, i don't know yeah and um he created the the first sequence you know there's like a prologue and an epilogue you know the beginning and the end of the film um the prologue was test footage mm. and they ended up using it for the movie but he he filmed that just to be like let's take a day you know, shoot these three pages and, you know, let me show you what it's going to look like and, and then you can decide. Um, and Frank Miller was like, how are you going to shoot this in a day? Like he was used to, he was used to Hollywood mm -hmm. and Robert Rodriguez is not Hollywood. Robert no. Rodriguez is like, no, nah, we're going to do this in my garage and get it done in a day and, and still make it look amazing. Um, and then, Frank Miller was blown away by it, said yes to it, and came on as co-director, which Robert had to leave the director's guild to bring him on as co-director. Yeah. Um, which, when you're involved in the director's guild, or when you're not, in, like if you if you leave the director's guild, that means you you lose like a ton of benefits. Like you lose being able to work on studio films, like yeah. big budget studio films you lose like um getting nominated for anything at the academy awards um yeah. and all that kind of stuff so it was like it kind of just cemented his uh rebel status i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but he's been doing stuff like that his whole career which is one of the reasons i love the guy um i think he was supposed to do the john carter film for disney like was developing it around that time and when he left the guild he like lost that contract yeah. um and which he might be back in it by now i don't really know because now he is doing or maybe the the way that it works has changed because he's done like mm. the boba fett series and stuff yeah yeah um but he seems like such a such a good pool like i i almost wonder uh, I mean, it might be because he left the guild, but why he hasn't done like DC films because after Sin City, Frank Miller went on to do 300, which he wouldn't have done if he hadn't have done Sin City. Like he realized, oh, I can make, you know, adapt my work into films yeah. um, and it looked the way I want it to and, and be a part of. It. So 300 was Frank Miller and Zack Snyder. And then Zack Snyder did The Watchmen and then Superman, Batman versus Superman, uh, Justice League. Yeah. And like you just look at the way that 
working with Frank took Zack Snyder's career off. You know, but you know, it's also possible that Robert didn't want that. Like he's always just been like, I'm gonna do what I want to do. I don't, you yeah. Know. Um, but but then again, Robert Rodriguez has also done a lot of commercial work. Like he's done uh, he's done like a ton of like I don't know, just weird stuff that you like he did a basketball commercial for nike and like yeah um and he always does like with everything he does he like does behind the scenes stuff with it um but uh yeah i feel like i'm just kind of going on a tangent now but um yeah i mean i i really feel like especially after rewatching sin city that robert should be making dc films yeah and i know that like you know now that um uh, James Gunn is head of DC. They're you know they're doing a lot of DC shows within the DC universe. You know I could see Robert yeah. doing a show or something like that, which yeah. would be cool. Like something within the Gotham world, or I don't know. It would just be cool to see something like that. But um, I think it all depends on the style that DC are trying to create. Because I feel, I mean. As a viewer, we know that their their output has been so disjointed. You know, we've had um, realism, and then we've had Aquaman, which is super comic booky and you know bright and like interesting direction, I guess. Um, yeah. So it just depends, I think, kind of on the on the project. If it was something that he could just make look as you know insane and over the top as possible. Then great. I think that if it was something like the Batman that was, you know, so grounded in reality and just normal dust and dirt yeah. and grime that um <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he, he polishes it to make it look a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what what he does next. I'm always excited to see what he's doing. Uh mm-hmm. there's a film that he did a few years ago. I just put it on my list. Um it's not very highly rated on Letterboxd, but I'm I'm still gonna give it a a shot just because I love Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. But he did a movie called Red Eleven, uh, mm. that he made for like seven thousand dollars. Okay. Just a few years ago, just to prove that he could still do it. Yeah. Which, if you don't know his uh his kind of breakout, the way that Robert Rodriguez broke out as a filmmaker was he made a uh Spanish language action film for $7,000 um, and took it, didn't really expect it to do anything. Like he thought he was going to sell it to the Spanish video market um, and then use the money to make a sequel and then like just keep kind of doubling his budget until yeah. he had enough money to make like a, a really big film. Mm-hmm. But just right off the bat with this first film, he... um he decided to go to Hollywood and kind of show it to some, like he cut a trailer together after the film was already finished and showed it to some execs and the executives didn't believe that he had only spent $7,000 on it. They were just kind of blown away. And then all of a sudden it, he just like, he was in like all the producers were talking about him. He was, people were sending him around town. He was talking with all these producers until someone was like, we're going to send this to Sundance and he sent it and it got in, it got bought by, I think Columbia 
and then mm. re-released, had a theatrical released, and I mean, it did well. And then basically, yeah. and basically after that, he did remake it. Um, he qu- sort of did like a sequel slash remake with Antonio Banderas, which is Desperado. Mm. Um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, I was talking about Red Eleven. Yeah, so he made made Red Eleven. Um, but the the thing that I love about Rodriguez is he's just so inspiring. You know, like you go and watch the behind the scenes stuff on Sin City. He's got um, like a, this 10 minute, fl- he calls it a 10 minute flick school, which you can also find on YouTube, where he kind of shows you how he, he's still kind of doing the same process that he's always done, even when he did El Mariachi. Like he made, I think, Sin City for 40 million, which most of that I think was spent on the cast which yeah. is, there's a huge, you know, A-list cast. But he was able to um, work around their schedules. Most of the cast were never in the same room together. I mean, Brittany Murphy was only on set for one day. Um, and she's in, like, all all three stories, I think, mm-hmm, and has mm-hmm. interactions with different characters. Um, and even, um, but even, like, I mean, you think about the way that films like this are made nowadays. Like, almost every single comic book movie, all the Marvel movies are made in a studio on a green screen set, right? Yeah. So you know this is how it's done now. But the way that Rodriguez did it back in 2005, like, he only had, like, a corner. You know, he had just a little studio, and he made this whole movie in a corner. And Mm -hmm. so, like, the shots where, like, the... There's like a, a really cool shot where the camera starts behind the car as it's driving. It goes up into a God's eye view and does a, a 180 spin and then comes back down in front of the car. And the way that they got this shot was they just they had the car sitting on a 360 spinning block so they could just keep shooting in the same corner. And all they did was raise the camera up and bring it back down. Wow. And then once they green screened it out, they were able to make it look like the camera is like moving all around the car. Wow. Um, and he just like breaks everything down like that for you. He even has a um, a feature on the um, on the film where you can watch the entire film with no effects. You're just oh, watching wow. the entire thing yeah. on with the actors on the green screen, so you can see how they did it. Um, which is really cool, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. just such a, like, down-to-earth dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's even got, like, on most of his films, he's got, like, a 10-minute cooking school <laughs> that he's been doing since, I think since Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Um, he did, like, this. There's a there's a, a dish that uh, one of the characters eats in the film, and it's, like, a whole, it's a whole, like, thing in the movie, right? So he, in... Uh, the behind the scenes he like shows people how to make it um and then people loved it so much that he started doing like recipes on every single one of yeah. his dvds um <laughs> and so for sin city he does like these sin city breakfast tacos which look amazing like uh yeah. it's like these he like shows you how to make homemade tortillas too which mm-hmm. is great um and and yes i have made them before so like the breakfast tacos or tortillas, just in general. What well, both actually? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's all it's it's not as hard as as you might think, but um, yeah. 
I mean, it's just fun. Like, yeah, you know, um, and then, and I, I kind of got into Rodriguez before I was even into Tarantino. I, I think the way that I got into Rodriguez was, um, I, there, there was a, uh, quote unquote film, uh, boot camp that was being held at like our local library in Nacogdoches. Yeah. And, uh, it was held by a film school graduate from SFA, the local university. Mm. Um, and at that school, they did this cool thing where they uh, they made a feature every summer. And usually the person directing the feature was like someone in graduate school. So he had made a feature with the school. Um, and then I think he was like teaching high school at the time, but he put on this like, uh you know this weekend like boot camp like how to yeah. make a movie and like you know it was like a i can't remember how long it was but i was i think i was 17 at the time or almost 17 and uh he knew a lot about robert rodriguez like he was a big fan <clears throat> and i just like had so much fun in that class yeah and then like i i like stayed for hours just talking to this guy about films and filmmaking and like what I was trying to do. And, um, he started talking to me about Robert Rodriguez and all of his films and Sin City and his book rebel without a crew. And I think that's kind of what just sparked like my interest in Robert Rodriguez. Um, and then I probably had seen kill bill. Yeah. I mean, I must've seen kill bill at that point. Um, already. So when I found out that like Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino were friends, I was like, this is amazing, you know? And then later yeah. on down the road, like we've talked about Kevin Smith. Um, I think on the clerks two behind the scenes DVD, he's, there's like a, some behind the scenes footage where he has Quentin and Robert over to his house and he's like showing them a cut of clerks two. And I'm like, Oh my God, they all know each other. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it just seems like, I don't know, it, it just got me even more into, like, these indie filmmakers from the early 90s, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, I, and then I bought, like, Rodriguez's um, Mariachi trilogy, like, there's El Mariachi, Desperado, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, um, and just, like, consumed every single thing that was out there. Yeah. Um, that he did and all his behind the scenes stuff and really took a lot of inspiration from his, um, yeah, just his filmmaking style because he, mm. he's also like a family filmmaker. Like he involves yeah. all of his family, his kids, his wife has been a producer on every single thing he's done. Um, some of his siblings, you know, the whole Austin community cause he built kind of like this hub in Austin. Um, like I remember hearing about early on in his career when he, I can't remember what studio it was, but he got like an office at some big studio and then he started bringing his kids to work and they were like, Oh, you can't do that. And he's like, all right, well I quit <laughs> <laughs> going back to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just stuff like that. Um, it's just, it, he's always been such an inspiring person. Yeah. Me you know, as a filmmaker. Um, 
you know, and and he and Richard Linklater kind of built up the Austin Film Society and stuff and really built kind of that hub there in Austin, which is cool. And I'm from Texas, if you don't know and you're listening. But it was just always so cool to be like, oh, my God, like this, this person is like here. Yeah. You know, it's not that far away. You know, it's like Hollywood seems like so... Uh, just such a like crazy dream, you know, but like, yeah. here's this guy that like brought Hollywood to him, mm-hmm. you know, and he's working mm-hmm. with Bruce Willis and Elijah Wood and yeah, Clive Owen and, you know, all of these, these people. Um, it's just great. And like, yeah. So maybe we should talk more about Sin City, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm like speaking of Elijah Wood, I'm a huge fan of his. Like, he always does. Like, ever since Lord of the Rings, he's like been able to be very selective of what he does. And yeah, um, he had worked with Robert before, and that's probably you know one of the reasons he did this. But he also lived in Austin, I think, so that was helpful. But yeah, um, who are your favorite characters? Do you think or actors in this? Um. That's a good one. I think <clears throat> it's always good to see Bruce Willis around this time. Yeah. Um, he was kind of having that like mini renaissance after Sixth Sense. You know, he was still a bit of a box office draw. Um, yeah. He hadn't, you know, beaten Die Hard into the ground just yet. So it's always great to see him in a good role, and he does really well in it. Yeah. Um, I like Clive Owen as well. <clears throat> We were saying when we were watching it that Clive Owen is another one of these actors that kind of is like ebbs and flows a little bit. Yeah. I feel like we see him a lot and then we don't see him at all, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's really good to see him in a good role. Yeah. Um, and like you said, Brittany Murphy is, you know, we both at the same time were like, I miss Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's good to see it. Unfortunately, Jessica Roberts doesn't stand up great. I don't think that she was particularly good in this film. Yeah. Um, same year as the Fantastic Four, so I'm sure her comic book allegiance was was torn. <laughs> yeah. You but hey, 14-year-old me did not care. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it... Yeah, she's fine in the movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, she doesn't have a lot to do. And I think that, yeah. like you said, I don't know. Again, I don't know whether this is time that's that's put this on there. I, I, I assume that it was always supposed to be a bit weird. But the fact that she's, what, supposed to be 19 or 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last time she saw the man that she was in love with, she was, what, seven? Yeah, or eight, something like, or something that, like yeah. that. I think. Which immediately when or they maybe, kiss and stuff is very light. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a couple of like, I don't know. It, it, there's a couple of very like problematic lines. Like the whole situation is just problematic, but yeah. then they yeah. like, it goes too, I mean, it's hard to say it goes, I mean, it does go too far, but it's already gone too far. Yeah. But like the, there's like a line where he's like, she grew up. She filled out. It's like, yeah, ugh, gross. Yeah, I know. It, yeah. Um, but like, again, it's like, I don't know. There's, I don't know. You think about like 
Leon the professional. Like that was in the nineties and that was, you know, I don't know what to call it. It's problematic, but I don't know if it's like, is it some weird like guy fetish? that's like just sitting here in this film and like, you know, I mean, taxi driver. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So, um, I, I do want to preface with that though. I mean, I know that taxi driver does show her as like a 14 year old prostitute, but it's also for the fact that she needs to be taken away from this. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas, whereas both this and Leon the professional are, are more like, I don't know, played mm-hmm. for the, the male audience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's just a weird, it's like, you know, it, it's almost like this weird thing where they're like trying to get away with something, you know, yeah. they're, they're trying yeah. to get away with like doing, doing uh, this problematic situation in a way that we're like, Oh, it's fine. He, he's not into it and he's trying to protect yeah. her or whatever, but it's just like, and I think it's definitely the, the, the way you go into this film. If you, if you go into this film and you think, okay, they're making fun of all these films that have come before and this kind of whole style of like the man saving the, the dame and like her being there for eye candy, then it's great. You know, and, yeah. it, and it does its job. If you watch this film as like, no, that that wasn't what they were going for. They were going for something else. It's very hard to to not find that disturbing. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying that the film is bad because I I really enjoyed this film. Um, when there's a lot in there that um, is, I mean, it's just a, an incredible thing to look at first and foremost. You yeah. know, it's unlike anything you 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 see on the screen. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can't escape it, but there's so many films that are the same way, you know, there's so many films that when you watch them, you're like, you know, we said the same thing about the, about when we did our Sergio Leone series, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if there was one more woman that got like sexually assaulted in his films, I would have just been like, I would have given up because every, every single time there was, you know, there was a rape involved. Yeah. Um, And like you said, I mean, maybe it's the time, maybe that's part of the era i don't know but yeah. yeah this does you know that is troubling yeah yeah um but the the style of the film yeah like you said it's amazing to look at like i think that's what i love so much about the film is the way that it looks it's just it's like the ultimate black and white comic movie you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. it, and i the second time i watched it i watched it on my macbook which has an hdr display and it looked incredible i was like it it almost made me think like i wonder if this film is going to just get better and better over time yeah at least visually (laughs) you know what i mean because it's it's one of the first films uh it's not the very first, but what it's one of the first to go all digital, yeah. To do everything on green screen, um, and and for it to still look so good twenty years later, I think it means something. 
You know, I'm not so sure that, uh, but it's like doing it on purpose, right? Like you can tell that things are animated, but it's like a part of the world. Like you believe the world, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Whereas you look at some comic book movies, even from just a few years ago, and you're like, eh, it doesn't look, I don't feel like the world is real. I feel like it's fake. I feel like people are on a green screen. Well, this is where, I think this is where it excels because I de- it doesn't look, like a film that is 20 years old. You know, when you watch yeah. it, I think the thing that works for it is the style is all its own. Um the it's the the costumes for the the characters are kind of a vintage anyway. Yeah. So it's it, it that doesn't age. Um and yeah, the style is is so singular. You know, it, n- no technology or no techniques from that era kind of seep in. Yeah. So in a way, it's kind of this timeless thing. Yeah, you know, you can't really put a, a timestamp on it, and I think that's what's going to work with it as as we progress through the years. Is that it's always going to look like that. It's yeah. not going to diminish the look of it over time because it is so singular. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit was, of a roundabout way to say it, but yeah, I was also thinking too that it's like it. It is hard to like say what year this film takes place. Yeah. Um. As you're watching it, because it's like all the cars look old, like or yeah. all the cars are vintage. But then the girl has like a cell phone at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um. So it it does kind of create its own world. Like I was even thinking when uh, Clive Owen jumps out of the window, uh, Dwight, when he's jumping out of the window and uh, Brittany Murphy is behind him, and she's like cop you know yeah. or you know you think she's saying stop at first um i was like i guess they don't have cell phones she can't just call him and be like yeah. hey <laughs> he's a cop yeah <laughs> um but then the girl has a cell phone at the end but it, it's like it doesn't matter no it's like it's they've created their own world that you believe like yeah nothing everything is hyper like nothing is realistic and you just buy it you know you just yeah. kind of you just kind of accept the world you know and 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 live in it um yeah it's very video gamey you know it it reminded me you know there's parallels between like grand theft auto where it's obviously based on an american city mm -hmm. you know but it's it's not really of a time or place it's just a city yeah you know um sin city that's right (laughs) um yeah it, it I mean, it's a film I hadn't been to, I hadn't been back to for for many, many years. Yeah. Um, So I I am pleased to say that it still does the job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, and like like we said, you know, there's some things in there that aren't great, but you can, like, I think that you you just have to, especially with old films, you just have to take a step back, you know, and be like, okay, this was made at a certain time and a certain place. Yeah, um, we've progressed, but it's still a a valuable piece of art. Yeah. So. Yeah, when uh, I I went and bought this film, I can't remember what year it was, um, but it was sometime in between seventeen and twenty, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, my age, not the year. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this would have been like two thousand seven to twenty ten. Yeah, and. Uh, I bought the uh, the box set, which was 
called the Ultimate Sin Edition. It was like a big, thick box. Yeah. Um, and it had a copy of one of the comic books, like one of his graphic novels in it. So you could like actually look at the pages and like compare them and stuff. And um, I remember when I went and bought it, I went up to the cash register. I can't remember how, I want to say it was probably around 60 bucks. Because mm. um, it was like a box set. And uh, I went up to the cast register, and there's this young guy like around my age, and he's like, "That's a lot for Sin City," and I was like, <laughs> "But it's the ultimate sin." <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I was like, <clears throat> "I don't give a fuck if people don't like this movie. I loved the movie. You yeah, know what I mean, like, um, yeah, just." the greatest um and it's not it's not my favorite film anymore you know it's not it's probably not even in my top 10 anymore but um it it, films like this that like you loved at a certain age will always hold like this special place and i could rewatch all the behind the scenes stuff on this a million times you know i mean this film for me is always going to be special it's the first film i owned on steelbook Wow. Yeah. Nice. I remember. I, I think I must have got it for Christmas on my birthday. But it was just a black cover <clears throat> and it just black all the way around. And then yeah. it just had the Sin City like logo embossed on it. And I thought it was the coolest thing. Yeah. I, I loved it so much. You still have it? I still have it at home, yeah, in England. Nice. It's, it's DVD, obviously, because I don't think Blu-ray was out just yet. Yeah, I don't. Probably not probably just kind Coming of starting soon. to break through yeah. yeah um but yeah i don't yeah. have my box set anymore oh no why god made me get rid of it you were like ultimate edition pff, not anymore <laughs> no literally it was a time when uh when god was speaking to me and telling me i had to get rid of uh my movie collection because i loved it too much oh gosh um but yeah, one of the biggest regrets is getting rid of my collection yeah. around, I don't know how, I think I was like 20 or 21. All those first movies I bought that I snuck in into the house like drugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I had the opposite. I feel like my parents can can definitely relate that that some entity kept telling me to buy more. Buy more! <laughs> <laughs> Coming back with stacks and stacks of, yeah. of DVDs. <laughs> yeah man I had a lot of stuff but yeah if I could get it back if I could go back I would yeah. one day one day I'll buy my collection back yeah do you have any I mean I could I could talk about this film yeah. like on and on like I, I wrote down a bunch of trivia like I, I recommend everybody go, like if you're a filmmaker uh, Rebel Without a Crew is essential reading yeah like that is the first book you should read. Um, there are so many things that you can, inspiration and things that you can take. Um, like Rebel Without a Crew is actually like it's just a journal. Like he's it's it's literally just Robert Rodriguez's journal from the time that he decided that he was going to make a feature, and it's just journal entries. It's like got the date on it and everything, and you can literally read his progress. And and read his like 
his break into fame. Like, yeah. Even up, even up into like going to Sundance and like, hey, I met this guy named Quentin Tarantino today. He's got this film here <laughs> called Reservoir Dogs, and we talked about this and this and like, um, and it's just so inspiring because there was along the way he's just like, you know, I'm gonna do this. This person's telling me I can't, but I figured out a way to do it. I'm gonna do it this way. Um, it's just incredible. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, essential, essential film reading for any filmmaker. Um, but yeah, like I said, I could I could keep talking about this movie forever if you want. But <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to say, or do you have any questions that I might be able to answer? Um, no questions. I mean, I I know that you know there was a sequel made to it, um, a Dame to Kill for that that didn't quite hit the heights of this. Sin City, I don't think it's mentioned kind of in the same breath anymore. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. I, I went to see it in the cinema, I can remember that, and I, I can't remember a lot about it. Yeah. Um, probably for the best, I would say. But, yeah. I mean, it is a film that can stand on its own, you know? Yeah. I don't think it needed a sequel. Yeah, and they, I mean, from what I understand, they also used all the best stories in the first one. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a stretch to try to to get some yeah. more out of it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean a lot of the cast returned and stuff and um you know, we didn't mention I mean I mentioned at the beginning Mickey Rourke's in it, but he's he's also one of the best parts. You know, he's yeah. he he looks he they did such a good job on his makeup making they him, did. that yeah. character in the comic and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, everyone, Bruce Willis Mickey Rourke, Benicio del Toro, Jessica Alba, Rosario Dawson is like incredible. Yeah. Um, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen, Carla Gugino, uh, or Gugino, um, is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> She's so good in everything and uh, beautiful. Uh, Michael Madsen is. Michael Madsen is, I feel like, so underrated. I mean, he's been in a ton of Tarantino stuff, but like, yeah, I don't know why he's not in like more big movies. Elijah Wood is awesome. Nick Offerman, you like? I know. Yeah, <laughs> it was so weird to see him pop up. Um, Michael Clark Duncan, uh, Nick Stahl, who plays the Yellow Bastard, is does a really good job as the Yellow Bastard, and he looks. Yeah. You know, like a yellow bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also plays John Connor in Terminator Three. Yeah, beloved by many, not really. Um, <laughs> Nick Stahl is good, but yeah, I don't know about Terminator Three. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't remember where I was going with that. I just felt like reading everybody that was in the film because we didn't really talk about everyone. But, it is a really good cast. Yeah. And everyone pulls their weight. You know, every, there's, everyone's pretty pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's Sin City. Yeah. We did it. We're going to have to do El Mariachi at some point, I think. Yeah. I'm excited to find out what we're watching next week, but let's first guess what each other rated the film on letterboxd let's do it, let's do it. um i think for you it's got to be a five 
It's. Okay. I mean, you said that it's not in your top ten anymore. Yeah. But I think that that emotional reaction to it and that the memories will will put it up to a five. Yeah. Um, you would be correct <laughs> before yeah. I even guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was questioning it when we watched it the other day. I was like. Is it? It's just such yeah. a different time now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm such a different person. But but then watch rewatching it again today. I was just like, man, I I love this movie. Yeah. It looks amazing, yeah. and yeah, it it just brings back so much memories of that time. I mean, 2005. It's a time and place, and I feel like this fits right in it. It's like that that emo culture too of that time. You know. Yeah. Kind of fits in with that. That's the style of that era too you know yeah. um i'm gonna say you rated this film i feel like there's got to be some nostalgia in there for you too i almost want to rate it lower but i think i think your nostalgia is going to bring it up i told you i had this poster on my wall at university so yeah <laughs> oh, that makes me want to bring it up even more um <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about that poster, it's it's a five star poster. Yeah, is it the one with Jessica Alba on it? (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just her, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm, I'm gonna say four. Yeah, you'd be correct. Nice. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's probably always been a four. I probably was a little hotter on it when I was younger, um, but I think. Yeah, it's it's singular. You know, it's it's stylized. It's um, it's great to look at. I mean, it's dated, but you can't take that away from it. I think that yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a very significant part in superhero and comic book style movies. Yeah, um, that kind of changed what was to come. So, do you think that like post, you know, once once we get out of this comic book era of uh, will we ever? I eventually, yeah, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as with musicals and westerns, we'll eventually get out of this. Yeah. Um, and once we are, it, it's going to take uh even years after we finally get out of it to kind of reflect on the whole era of comic book movies. Yeah. Do you think this is going to be one of the standouts? Yeah, I think I think when you're talking non-Marvel superhero films, I think. This, Watchmen, Dark Knight. You know, they're they're the yeah. kind of they're the mm-hmm. ones that you'll you'll talk about outside of Marvel. Yeah, you know, and I think for for a certain that this feels. I can remember watching this for the first time, and I was like, "This is this is a comic book movie that I've never seen before." Yeah, you know, um, so I think it will definitely it'll definitely kind of keep in that arena of being one of the best non-Marvel superhero films. Yeah. For sure. Sweet. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I don't like to include it with Marvel because I think that's doing it a disservice. I think that Marvel is so formulaic and so by the numbers that that you can't compare them. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I so, think Logan will probably be talked about too, but Logan yeah, isn't like yeah. when you're talking about Marvel, that's not that's not MCU Marvel, you know. No. Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. Mhm. Um but yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um all right, well, 
I can't wait to find out what we're watching next week because I know it's going to be good. Yes. Well, I hope so. Um, <laughs> it, it was a toss-up. It was either a film that I had never seen before um, that is always kind of sitting there on the list to watch or it was a film that I had seen before and that I absolutely loved and just wanted a reason to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I plumped for the one that I had never seen. Okay. Um, so we are going to be watching um, a film noir from 1958 directed to towards the end of the film noir period directed by Orson Welles Touch of Evil. Ooh, nice. Yes. Um a film that I that I own um never got around to watching it. Um all star cast um which we'll talk in great detail next week but Orson Welles, Charlton Heston, Janet Lee, Marlena Dietrich, Jaja Gabor amongst others. Wow. I've heard um, so much about this movie. I mean, me I know nothing about this movie, too. but I've yeah. heard so much about this movie. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I've seen bits of it. Um, I know that Mark Cousins in his story of film kind of references certain parts of it quite a bit. Um, so I feel like I've seen parts of it, but I have no idea about story or like characterization. So I'm very, very excited to tick this off the to watch list. Yes. Yeah. Cannot wait. That's going to be awesome. Episode 51. That'll be next week into the next 50 episodes. That's right. Wow. Can't believe it. Well, everybody, that brings us to the end of the show. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Film Church Radio. You can follow us individually on Letterboxd, where you can see what we've been watching for the week. See what we rate things. See what's on our watch list. I am at Selman Scope, and Lewis is at Walker Lewis three zero zero seven. We also have all of our back episodes streaming on all good podcast platforms. Please leave, leave us a rating and review so we know if you like the film, and uh, let us know what you would like for us to watch in the future so we can put it on our watch list. The only thing I have left to say, Lewis is ask yourself if that corpse of a dame is worth dying for worth dying for worth killing for worth going to hell for amen amen see you next week (laughs) peace